All right. So today on the podcast, we have Coach Rob Dial. Uh, coach Dial uh, was the head coach at Chapmanville for four years, and he is now an administrator uh, at Logan County Schools in West Virginia. I know you'll love uh, this podcast with Coach Dial. He does a great job, has a lot of wisdom, and I know you will you will gain a lot of insight about being a coach and about being an administrator from this podcast. All right, Coach Dial, welcome to the podcast this morning. Thank you very much, Coach. Appreciate you having me on. Coach Dial, we've known each other for, what, about four years. Um, please just give the listener a little bit of background about yourself so they can know you. Um, well, obviously not as well as I know you, but they can get to know you a little bit. Okay. Uh, my name is Rob Dial. I am a lifelong resident of Chapmanville in southern West Virginia. Um Started coaching football at Chapmanville High School in 1999 under a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Ooten. If uh, you are familiar with West Virginia athletics, you probably know Coach Ooten better for his softball coaching. He's had several state titles here at Chapmanville. Um, coached with he and, and Dave Elkins. Uh, Dave Elkins was instrumental in getting me involved into coaching both football and basketball. Uh, back during this time, I was still a college student going to Marshall University. And... Uh, got started they offered me to come on and just kind of help out and started doing that truly enjoyed it and uh, kind of caught the caught the fever for coaching ever since uh coached with another gentleman by the name of david dean who was very instrumental in uh, a lot of the ways i believe in coaching uh, during uh, during my early years and uh, coach coaching and those guys for Three or four years, Coach Barker, George Barker from Logan High School, who was the head football coach at Logan High, decided to apply when Coach Uten stepped down to be the head football coach down in Chapmanville, his alma mater. And uh, I was fortunate enough for he for to stay on with him and be a part of his first staff. And I was the offensive coordinator for Coach Barker for the for about ten or eleven years. Uh, that was up through about I think 2012. And then I stepped away, decided to go. Uh, do a little public school administration, uh, did that three or four years, was uh, in four different schools in four years. So about the time I would learn everybody's name at a school, they moved me to a different uh, school to be a principal at. And the last year that I was a, I was in, in administration, back the first time around, uh, I was at a school five minutes away from my house. Uh, I knew the vast majority of the staff and it was probably the place where I should have settled down and stayed at for a while, but for whatever reason, something, something just wasn't settled within me, uh, and I don't know why. But uh, the good Lord opened a door for uh, Coach Barker decided to step down as head football coach, and at the same exact time that he stepped down, another uh, teacher at Chapmanville High School, regional high school, uh, resigned, and my old teaching position came back open. So in 2016. I decided to uh, stop being a principal and go back and become a head football coach and uh, social studies teacher again. And it worked out really good. And I was a head football coach at Chapman Regional High for four years. Um, didn't have an enormous amount of success on as far as records go. Uh, we never had a losing season, but, uh, you know, you always want to take the program and, and better it and take it to the next step. We we just we were always on the outside of the playoffs looking in. It seemed like we had a lot of years where you're five and five, six and four, and as you know, coaching double A football today, uh, 
you know, you, you, you need to win seven, eight ball games just to get into the playoffs. So we were close, but we never made it. And, uh, did that for four years and, you know, felt like that, uh, I had a good run, but it's time for me to move aside and let somebody else have an opportunity with it. So I resigned in, uh, after last season, 2019 and, uh, went back and currently I'm an assistant principal at Logan high school, the, uh, our county rival and uh, just trying to find my way to uh, do the best job I can there. Coach, that's an interesting story. I didn't know you had started coaching in, in 99. That's uh, that's awesome. You, you've been doing this uh, a good long a long while, and I don't I don't put any stock in wins and losses. I think this is a player's game. Um, so c- talk a little bit about your, like your philosophy as a coach. What are some things you believed in program-wise uh, to form uh, your football program um, and things that you did as a head coach and things that you like to do as an assistant coach? You know, as a, the, I believe that, and I learned this once I became there, being a head coach and being an assistant coach come polar opposites for me personally. Um, as a head coach, there's so many moving parts that you have to think about, and you have to figure out how everything works together. Um, as an assistant coach, like as an offensive coordinator, I had I took extreme ownership of the offense. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to have my hands involved in everything. And as a head coach, I have learned that you have to you have to trust your people around you. And sometimes that can be hard. But whenever you surround yourself with the right people, it's great. And I was very fortunate as a head coach to have a great staff and great people around me. Um, and I tried, and I believe that I, I believe I was successful in this part, is I tried to allow my coaches to coach. I did not micromanage, kind of gave them a framework and just let them, let them go do their things. Uh, Philosophy-wise, as a head coach, I think it starts with relationships. You have to build relationships throughout your entire program, and I believe it starts with your players and your fellow coaches. Um, <clears throat> that's why I'm, you know, one thing that I'm, a big fan of is I'm a big fan of the June practice period and the flex days in which they give us because at during those on the those days and those opportunities to work with our players outside of August and outside of the season give us an opportunity maybe not to worry as much about the X's and the O's and putting in scheme but allows us to work more on building relationships and it starts on those practices and it also starts in the weight room um, you know, you're going to win and lose a lot of games in the weight room, uh, the vast majority of the time. So that, those building the relationships is, is a big piece of it. Uh, another would be providing structure, you know, beyond coming in with an offensive and defensive and special teams philosophy, you, you have to provide structure and just how you go about, uh, doing things on a day-to-day basis. You know, I'm a schedule and a calendar guy, so I'm always planning things out from, starting the day after the our previous season ends, how we are going, what we are going to do to get ready between that day, day zero, and August the 1st. You know, what are we going to do during the off season to prepare ourselves to have a chance of being successful? Um, continuing on along those lines, we got to teach these young men, you know, we're, we're high school football coaches. We're not always coaching great athletes. We're not always coaching guys that are going to continue on and play at the next level. Uh, 
So it's important for every single player on your team to not only get coached in football, but to get coached a little bit in life because football can do so much for us and for our players in preparing them for the trials and tribulations that life is going to throw at them. You know, guys can go out there and they can work as hard as they possibly can all throughout August camp. And maybe they don't get that starting position or they can go out there and they can earn that starting position and the team can do such a great job and be as prepared as possible. But the other team's just more talented and they lose that opening game. And, you know, life's going to throw some curveballs at you. And I think football helps these young men to prepare for life. And that's part of our job as coaches, especially at the high school level, is to prepare all of our players, not just our best kid, but all of them for uh, what life has to has to offer. So, uh, you know, along those lines, that's, that's kind of the, the direction that, that I like to live by is uh, just build those relationships, provide them some structure and try to use football as a teaching tool for life. Absolutely, Coach. You guys do a great job uh, down there in Logan County. I remember, what was it, 2017, I think we threw against you guys like four times in the summer at like different 707 events. You guys beat us every time, but that was fun. Like it was like, you know, you you went to all those types of 707s and camps and like, what's your philosophy on that? Do you think, now we didn't have those last offseason because of COVID, but uh, why do you do those 707s and those lineman camps? Like, what what does that give you uh, as a as a football program? Uh, personally, I, I'm I'm a big fan of them. I love them. I enjoy I, I enjoy June as much as I enjoy any other time during the off season with our team. Uh, for me, it does several things. Number one, it allows our players to uh, be together in a more relaxed environment, and allows them to build those relationships that I talked about initially. Whenever you're going and you're traveling to these various camps and some camps we would stay overnight at, it allows them to bond, it allows them to, you know, make those friendships and those memories that are going to last a lifetime. And I think that's part of it for us as coaches is to, again, build the entire student athlete, not just the football player. Um, Give you a great example. Last year that I coached, we went up to WVU to play in their seven-on-seven. Now, our talent level is never going to be to the point where we would be able to go up there and, say, dominate. But we would often go up there, and we would find a way, and we would be competitive, and we would play some really good teams and really good competition. The primary focus of going to WVU was to allow our players the experience of stepping on Mountaineer Field, playing a, you know, flag football game on Mountaineer Field. And I had one young man come up to me and he said, Coach, he said, I really want to thank you for bringing me up here. And he was a senior. And this was, I believe, his second year playing football. And I said, well, buddy, you're welcome. I said, thanks for coming up. And he said, you know, he said, I never thought that I could ever go to college, he said. But coming up here kind of made me see that, I may actually want to go to college. And he said, and I'll certainly never have the experience of playing on this field. And he said, I just want to thank you for giving me that opportunity. And that kind of meant a lot to me as far as why we do the things that we do. Um, so having said that, from a football piece of it, love seven on sevens. Number one, it gives you competition against other teams. It allows us to evaluate our players to kind of see who can do what. 
Um, I think that evaluation period is so important in June because you want to know going into August kind of where guys are going to fit. And um, there can be a big change in a kid's uh, talent level from the previous season in November to where he's at in June. So it allows us to see where they're at. And it also gets us close to game speed in June. No matter what you do in practice, you can preach go hard, go fast. But until you put somebody across uh, the line from you that's on with a different color jersey from a different team, it's hard to truly get game speed. And I think that playing in seven-on-sevens, lineman competition, those things, that gets some game speed. And the last is, is to get our guys an opportunity to go to colleges and get looked at. Um, you know, there's not a lot of coaches going to be coming to Chapmanville, West Virginia, looking for players. So my job is as a coach to get them exposure. And if that means having to go to Marshall, go to West Virginia State, go to Glenville, go to Concord, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome to take your kids to different colleges and, like you said, have them experience uh, a college campus, right, to talk to college coaches and college kids and try to open open their eyes a little bit. Coach, talk a little about your offensive philosophy. Uh, what do you believe in there, and then what are things that you like, uh, like to do? Uh, offensively, the first thing that comes back to mind is play guys that I can trust. Um, I, I was fortunate as an assistant coach. Coach George Barker gave me a lot of rope to hang myself. And uh, he, he really gave me a lot of freedom and flexibility to play the guys I wanted to play. Um, obviously, he's the head coach, and he was going to make the final decision, but he gave me a lot of input. So to build those, to put guys in there that I could trust that were going to do the right things the way we wanted things done was important. Overall, primarily beyond players, just looking at it from a schematic standpoint, my thought process was how can I stress the defense? What can I do as a coach from an X and O and from a uh, building of an offense standpoint with what talent and what my players could do? How can I stress the opposing defense the most? Was that going to be through tempo? Was it through multiple formations or imbalanced formations, uh, misdirection, personnel groupings, movements, motions, whatever? What were we able to do as an offense that was going to apply stress upon the defense. That was always one of the key questions for me. Some coaches that I see today, whether they've been coaching for 10 years and what they did back in 2010 and what they do in 2020 are exactly the same, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Other coaches go from year to year, and it kind of changes a little bit. For me personally, I had a framework of what we wanted to do. I knew the type of team that we were. But from year to year, my talent level changed a little bit. So I would have to try to take the tools that I had in my toolbox to fit what job I needed done that season. So one year we might have been probably in the eye a little bit more, maybe a little more downhill run team. The following year we were a little more spread, throwing the ball around some. Um, regardless of whether we were spread, we were double tight in the eye, whatever the case may be, I always felt like at some point in time in a ball game, there was a need to run the football. Uh, we primarily liked to run the ball. We would run out of one back, uh, and we would also run it out of two back, which primarily we were, when we would go two back, we would get up under center and get in the eye with a tight end or maybe a tight end in the wing. And, uh, but I felt like we needed to run the ball at some point in time, especially against good teams. Um, 
Now, one year we had a lot of players. We, we had 20 different starters at Chapmanville, which didn't happen too often. So we decided, hey, if we're going to play all these guys, let's try to tire the other team out. So let's play a lot of snaps. So we were a lot of no huddle, throwing the ball around, you know, trying to get an extra possession or two per game. And then there was another year where we had 13 guys that could play football. And if we had to put number 14 in, there was a major drop. So we were going to slow it down, try to milk, you know, milk the clock, shorten the game, and, and do those things. So it kind of modified and changed from year to year. That's awesome, Coach. That's, I think that's the key to high school coaching is we're, we're all at the mercy of our roster. So you're trying to find – what can I do with the available available personnel? That's that's so good. Coach, talk a little bit about your defense philosophy, how that meshed with your offensive philosophy. Bend but don't break. Um, you know, I would have loved to have had, uh, been able to say, all right, we're going to scream and splatter and we're going to blitz and do all this stuff. But uh, in reality, my thing was that I wanted to line up correctly. I wanted to make certain that we were disciplined in what we did. On the back end of the defense was very important. Whether we were one high or two high, I wanted my safeties to be able to run and to be able to tackle. Um, I didn't care to give up 10, 15-yard gains. Those 50-yard touchdown runs and you know 75-yard bombs, those are the plays that get you beat. So for me, I wanted to make certain on the back end of my defense, regardless of whether we were a four-man front, five-man front, didn't matter. On the back end of the defense, I wanted guys that could run and could tackle. So that was primarily what I started with. But we tried to line up right. We tried to read our keys. Obviously, we wanted to play physical football, uh, <clears throat> be disciplined, those types of things. Inside the box, I wanted to move around just enough to, you know, mess with blocking schemes a little bit, you know, twist every now and then, you know, change the alignments of our inside techniques. Blitz whenever it was uh, – I, I preferred to blitz on passing situations, and I preferred to blitz from the edge more so than up inside on passing situations because it seemed like, you know, whenever you had a five technique and a tackle out there, that tackle is going to block that five every time. But if you could bring somebody coming off the edge, especially on the weak side or the short – the boundary side, it seemed like we had a lot of success with that. Um but that, that's kind of what we did defensively, you know, being but don't break, play field position. And, hey, on offense, I may be one of the only offensive coordinators that it, it did not bother me to punt the football. You know, I, I like to play field position, you know. So if we had a pretty good defense, we'd punt the football, play D, get the ball back, and, you know, see what happens. But, uh, you know, be it offensive, defensive philosophy, and even special teams, they all have to match and they have to marry each other, and they have to be, you know, have to have some good symmetry to them. So uh, you can't go in there wanting to be, uh, uh, wanting to be maybe a wishbone style of football team, and then you know, blitz every play on defense. It it may not work out for you. So you kind of have to marry the two. Yeah, no doubt. I, that's something being a head coach for just a couple of years is is something that keep, continues to get beaten to my head by watching watching film is you have to match match those together. So, Coach, the final thing I wanted to talk to you about was talk about becoming an administrator. Because I know there's coaches out there that want to get into administration and they're thinking about, should I stop coaching being an administrator? Some places you can be an administrator and coach, but uh, what's it like going from the classroom and being a coach and to being an administrator? What are some tips you can give uh, the listeners out there? 
um, it, it's it's definitely a transition. Uh, the first year that I stepped aside as a football coach um, was was very difficult. This last time where I've stepped away, I guess the second time, and back into administration, it, it's not been too too difficult to do that this time. Most, and I heard this many times as I was um, a young coach. I, I often heard that some of the best best administrators used to be head football coaches or head coaches in general. And I think the reason why is because as an administrator, you are going every day that you go to work, you really don't know what you're going to be dealing with. As a teacher. I knew how difficult my day was going to be based upon what I planned to do inside my classroom that day. And I could control what went on inside the four walls of my classroom pretty simply. As an administrator, you on the days in which you think that, hey, you know, I don't have much on my schedule. Let's just see what happens. Shouldn't be too bad of a day. Those were often the days in which you would have, you know, some of your most problematic uh, stuff occur. So as a football coach, I think you are conditioned to be prepared to deal with unexpected scenarios and situations. I also believe that it helps you to uh, communicate with a wide group of people because, you know, as a football coach, you know, we're doing interviews, we're talking to players, we're talking to parents, boosters, uh, school administration. You know, we, we, we deal with a lot of different people and communication is so important. And as an administrator, it may be the most important thing that we have to do is communicate with all these different groups and get everybody going, rowing the boat, as uh, what is it, PJ Fleck would like to say, in the same direction. Um, so as a, as a coach, I think prepare you for that. The one thing that I think is missing now, and I think coaches that are going to transition into administrators, are probably going to learn is just how curriculum intensive that administration has gotten. Um, you really have to be, in, you know, um, you really have to know curriculum. You have to know um, the uh, instructional piece more so than the managerial piece. For me personally, I can, you know, I can run a school. I can manage the school, make certain people are where they need to be, doing what they need to do. But I also need to be able to learn about what the best teaching methods inside a classroom are now and what those look like, look like and what they how we need to help students learn the best that we can. Because today, students and parents have a lot of options on how they are going to receive their education. And uh, if public school is going to be successful here in West Virginia, we have to step up our game and do a little bit better. Coach, that is that is awesome. I I appreciate you taking the time and coming on. I know you're you're a busy man, and uh, Coach, I really appreciate you sharing uh, all of your wisdom. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, and Coach, I just want you to know I've I followed you for quite a while. Uh, obviously, you know we've played against each other, being in seven on sevens or on Friday nights, and uh, I want to commend you on the job that you do over there at Nitro and what you did at Riverside before then, because you came into two difficult situations, you know. Riverside, when you took that program over, I don't think it had very many wins the last four or five years, and the same at Nitro. And the way you've built your programs up, uh, the one thing I didn't talk about is I'm such a believer in positive mojo on a football team. And 
listen, you, you do a great job at promoting your players, at keeping, staying positive, uh, and be in the private conversations that we've had or whenever I read your comments in the paper. I just really think you're doing a great job, and uh, I'm sure that Nitro is uh, very fortunate to have you as their head football coach, and I wish you the very best moving forward. Coach, I appreciate that, your first class. And, uh, Coach, you have a great day today, and please enjoy your uh, your Thanksgiving. Same to you, Coach. Thank you very much.